0: Human first, everything else after. Welcome to What's Betwixt Us: Stories of Working While Human. I'm Lissa Mandel. What's Betwixt Us is a series of conversations about empathy at work at work. It's about diving into the messiness and the specificity of being human on the job, any job, and how empathy isn't just a nice sounding buzzword for company PR. It's a rebellious act of remembering that we're human first, everything else after. Today on What's Betwixt Us, I chat with Amy Gidden, co-founder of Daily Aloha, an uplifting daily dose of humanity. A moment of spontaneous inspiration sparked by a massive wall of post-it notes in a New York subway station planted the seed for Daily Aloha, an app designed to connect people from around the world by giving thoughtful, daily prompts to provide folks a mindful moment and to be reminded we're part of something greater. In this episode, we see what happens when a zany question gets put to use as the Aloha's Daily Prompt. Amy comes from a background in women's leadership and corporate, and empathy has guided her all the way. Please enjoy episode 19, Notes Across the Universe with Amy Giddon. Well, I am so excited today to introduce to you... Amy Giddon, uh, our guest who is actually introduced to me by our friend Patrick McAndrew, who is our uh, producer and was a guest recently. And Amy is a tech entrepreneur, uh, the founder of the app Daily Aloha, and we're both wearing orange today, which feels like a good sign to me. So Amy, welcome to What's Betwixt Us.
1: Thank you so much. And anytime Pat introduces me to anyone, I am excited to be in conversation. I feel the same way. He's he's the glue. He's the glue. He definitely is
0: good at, at finding people who are aligned with the kinds of values that I'm about, which is empathy and centering humanity, you know, above everything. So I would love for you, Amy, to tell us about the journey of starting the Daily Aloha, which you gave me sort of snapshot of the last time we chatted, but I love the story. It's a great story. Your moment of inspiration and where it took you.
1: Okay. And it's funny, you introduced me as a tech entrepreneur. And for a minute, I was like, wait, who, me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm still trying to wear that gracefully. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. It's been a long winding path to where I am now. I started my career in the corporate sector Mm -hmm. Um, Right out of college, I worked for Bain & Company, a big global management consulting firm, was there for many years, and then went into financial services at American Express, another big Mm -hmm. global company, and I really look at those two companies like my my dual alma maters, um, Mm -hmm. where I really got all my business experience and made relationships that are still to this day, and I don't have to tell you how many years later that is, but <laughs> among my closest friendships. And from those two roles, I, the rest of my sort of corporate and mid sized company experience, I went back and forth between consulting and financial services. Wow, so I would say that chapter is my biggest work chapter. I probably until right now, you know, learned the most and made really strong lasting relationships. But what happened after that is I started turning incrementally into more purpose-driven, meaning making work. Mm -hmm. And my first stop was to work in women's leadership. You know, through all my my roles at various companies, I had become more senior. You know, in my last role, I had become president of like a small to mid-sized private equity backed financial services company. And I was the only woman in board meetings and the only woman on the executive team. And I, for the first time, really discovered the challenges of that. And I have always mentored younger women coming up in the workforce behind me. It matters quite a lot. It feels really natural to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But having faced some challenges really for the first time, I wanted to lean into that work.
0: Can I, may I interrupt you of briefly? I, I have a question about, you know, you mentioned the challenges of being, you know, the only woman in, in, this, in this corporate or financial setting. What, do you mind going into the detail on like what? what that felt like what some of those challenges were where you felt like you were holding down the whole ship
1: yeah you know it's funny i'm glad you asked and it's funny to think about it now because i i, I really didn't understand what i was experiencing at the time mm-hmm. but through my women's leadership work i was able to reflect back and really decode what i was feeling at the time and this is a little bit of an aside but I often feel like the work that we gravitate toward is because we have something we're trying to puzzle through. Mm -hmm. And that was clearly true for me. When I look back on my women's leadership work, I feel really great about the contribution I I made to women in the workforce, but I think it benefited me personally so much at the same time. Oh, yeah. So what I learned through my women's leadership work is that 30% is is a magic number. So if you're ever, oh, so <laughs> yeah so if you're in a marginalized group or an underrepresented population when there's 30% of you whatever that is around the table it start, things start to shift gotcha. So when I was the only woman it was certainly not 30%. So I think a couple things. One is that I do hate to generalize, but I, I will a little bit. I think I brought a more human-centered perspective to the work. Sure. Like anytime a company gets investors, there's a lot of pressure. These are private, you know, private equity investors. There were two of them who were looking for a big short, quick and big upside and financial return. They weren't in it for the, for the human, you know, experience, you know, they were, they were, they were really just looking at the numbers. So part of our board composition were people that had singular focus, Mm -hmm. which was not employees. It was not our customers. It was just the financial return. So there was that. And I would say too, just even from the executives who were the operators of the business, you know, my perspective of employee growth and development doing right by all the people that we were bringing into the business, Mm -hmm. doing right by our customer. And this had particular relevancy in this company because our customer was an underserved, underrepresented customer. So in this financial services company, our customer was largely left behind by mainstream banking, locked out of the banking system. So we had to have a lot of empathy, passion for our customer and you know, make money, of course, but also really understand their lives and how we can make it better and unlock something for them. So c- compassion and empathy was required all the way around. And I felt that there was not a balance in the you know objectives of the people sitting around the table between financial returns, employee, being in service to employees and being in service to customers. Mm-hmm. So I felt at a step, with the way we were looking at the business and measuring our performance.
0: Wow. So that you really were sort of at the crossroads of worlds that don't normally intersect where it's like, you have to worry about like the profit side of it, but you also have to worry about the humanity side of it. And they exist in this one thing together. And you were like the one representative voice trying to blend those things, which is super noble work. And I think really telling that you say, you know, it did something for you as much as it did for, you know, the job itself, because it sounds like you were integrating some things about what your purpose was going to be moving forward from that job.
1: You know, I was, but unaware of it at the time. Sure. And I, I, I do feel... Like, it's important to point out that I wasn't the lone voice advocating for the customer. But in these settings, it it was hard. And I guess the other thing I will say is that I'm talking about sort of the business objectives and how that was challenging and how I didn't feel completely aligned with the others at the table. But there was also personal factors. Mm -hmm. I personally felt that it was hard for my voice to be heard. I had challenges in some of my relationships with my colleagues and peers Mm -hmm. sitting sitting around the table because of my gender. So Mm -hmm. it was a combination of the business side and alignment on objectives and personally. I felt it very personally. So I think for the first time, I really understood what it felt like to not feel like my voice was being heard or respected at the the table.
0: I'm sorry to hear that and also I know that it takes experiences like that sometimes to push us to, to push us to the next phase, whatever that is. In fact, I, I was just speaking to a friend about that today, about challenges in our personal lives and how, during this pandemic, and how if we hadn't been pushed to these extremes of whatever it has been, like anxiety or hardship or whatever, then we wouldn't have been compelled to take steps to better our lives, better our circumstances. So sometimes you need to be pushed to that point of feeling like your voice can't be heard to say, you know what, I've had enough. I need to do something else where my voice can be heard because my voice is important. So from there, uh, take it away.
1: Yeah. So from there, I was a little mad. Like yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. mad, And as you're saying, I totally agree. I, I think that it's almost impossible to grow without discomfort Mm -hmm. and perhaps even the more extreme the discomfort the the more uh growth happens i don't know but i know that there is some discomfort falling out of the nest learning to find your wings that's necessary so yeah so my next step was working at barnard college and columbia university totally in service to women's leadership so i worked at the athena center for leadership I was the head of corporate leadership, so I worked with big companies that were committed to seeing more of their women leaders rise to positions of authority um, within the companies and to see more of them achieve their ambitions. So that was just wonderful work. I dove into the research around women's leadership and all the statistics. I did get some more insight about what I had experienced, and I was able to channel that into something that felt really productive and Uh of service and it was great. I continue to do a little bit of women's leadership work on the side. I think it's going to always be a bit of a side hustle. And even if it's not income generating something that I'm just going to always have, you know, have a foot in.
0: Of course. Well, also sometimes things that aren't income generating, but you do anyway, you know, it's because of the passion. It's just as important, even if it's not monetarily valued, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I continue continue to grow through that work and through my conversations with other women leaders. And my work then was mostly with women in corporate environments. And now it's really interesting to be in, in this startup ecosystem and I'm naturally gravitating to women founders. So it's just, it's interesting. I'm kind of crossing over all these different like kind of verticals of women leaders and it's just inspiring all the way around.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. Can you talk a little bit about when you say the, when you say the startup environment or the e- ecosystem when I was first talking to you about Daily Aloha, uh, and you were saying that it was it was slow compared to the normal timeline so for for people who might not know like what does that mean like in in the startup world like what is what is slow Yeah
1: you know, I don't even have a good answer because I think that there's so much hype around so many things in the startup world and there's Mm -hmm. certain things that are just glorified and get more visibility some like in everything it's sometimes it's hard to know what the truth actually is (laughs) yes but the hype is around this old you know move that move fast and break things mentality kind of like the silicon valley bad boy sure um, facebook paradigm right so i don't really know what the truth is but I have had a few trusted advisors tell me like, oh, don't share your timeline. That's not necessarily <laughs> going to be to your advantage. So to give it some perspective, you know, we've been our product and I, I, I will go back and tell you how this even came to be, but we've been live and available to the world for 18 months
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we're just chugging along, growing every single day. Yeah. But have we broken through? Not yet. But, you know, 18 months is, I I don't know, should we have, you know, taken over by now? I I don't feel like that's my style. You know, I approach things deliberately with a lot of intentionality. I gather so much feedback, maybe too much feedback. I'm a a huge listener um, and I've got the wonderful opportunity to listen to my customers, to our participants, to all the people that we touch and they, they write to me and I, I always write back and, and sometimes I find myself on the phone with them. So yeah, we're slow, we're deliberate, we're intentional, but we're, we're growing every single day. So oh,
0: yeah. I feel like we're doing our thing. Yeah, I mean, it's so clear and like, and I'll let you, cause we keep getting off track and I do want you to talk about what it is we're talking about, but I, I, it's clear how much care and thoughtfulness goes into the product itself and i think that that is always worth it and i'm also a person who still like keeps a, a paper calendar and like reads paper books so i like i believe in that sort of take as long as it takes to really integrate or absorb whatever whatever the knowledge is so that it is of the best truest quality
1: i really agree with that and it's really interesting now to reflect back on the last couple of years there have been a few times where I felt really slowed down. Mm-hmm. Something happened. In one case, it was, it was a de- developer disappeared. In another case, someone didn't follow through on a commitment, but there were a couple of times where I felt crushed, like mm-hmm. really crushed. And when I look back on those moments and those incidents, I feel like I was being protected. Ah, uh-huh. I feel like if we had barreled forward on the path we were on in that moment at that time, we would have made some big mistakes.
0: I subscribe to that entirely. Yes.
1: Yeah. So not to sound too woo-woo, but um, oh, you can
0: sound as woo-woo as you want with me. <laughs> I am open about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like right smack between woo-woo and science, but do you feel that there's some logic and I don't know, design in the pacing that we have. Absolutely,
0: yeah, that it all times out exactly the way it's supposed to time out. And if you think like that, it frees you from the pressure of having to move faster than what feels authentic. Right. Awesome, okay, so all of that being said, tell us about this, this moment of inspiration that started you creating this app.
1: Yeah, thanks. So I was doing this women's leadership work had transitioned back to my bread and butter consulting, which is management and brand strategy consulting. So I was doing both women's leadership, management, brand. And I had a client in the Union Square area in New York City, if any of your listeners know Union Square, it's a big hub in New York City, and they have a big um, subway terminal where a lot of different subway lines come together. Mm -hmm. And I was commuting every day in and out of that subway station. And this story goes back to 2016, the end of 2016, where we might remember it was our presidential election, our last presidential election. And we know what happened. And I came out the other side of that election feeling really heavy, really, really heavy and brokenhearted, honestly, because of the division and polarization mm-hmm. that for me felt like the first time that I had lived through an experience like that, where I felt such a disconnect, not only in our political spheres and, our, and on the news, but in my social circles and down to the dinner table level. And the, the polarization was bad enough, but I think what pained me more was the dehumanization that had crept into how we talk about the other. Uh huh and I happen to be liberal in my politics um, and many of my liberal leaning friends were I didn't like how they were talking about people who didn't think like them either mm-hmm. so I was thinking about all of that and feeling the weight of that disconnection and against that backdrop commuted into the subway one day and you know, kind of caught a glimpse of this little post-it note patch that had emerged and planted itself on the wall of the subway. And I was like, "Huh, what's that? And then every day, you know, I saw this thing blossom and at its culmination, it was 50,000 individual notes of hope, affirmation, goodness, unity, blessings on this wall. 50,000, I never knew that. Yeah. You know, if you go to subwaytherapy.com, I'm sure you'll be able to uncover a picture or two because a picture speaks a thousand words in this case. Mm -hmm. But I was so captivated, you know, at the scale of it, yes, because it was such a sight to behold, Yeah. but also in the individual impact. Like I felt personally completely uplifted by this very simple act of participation. You know, I took that moment, I, I reflected on what my contribution to this collective experience was going to be. I, I'm sure I picked a color, probably yellow. Yellow
0: is my go-to color always also.
1: You know what? It's like classic. I'm a classic post-it person. So (laughs) yellow is my go-to. You stick it on the wall and then sort of take in this moment of feeling like part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. And when I looked around day after day after day at the other people who stopped and chose to also participate, I knew that I wasn't alone. It was a transformational brief moment of uplift that united these people that were passing by, that were anonymous strangers to one another in this moment of, hey, maybe we are actually all in this together.
0: Yeah. And it's so beautiful. I remember, and I was, I was in the city for that time as well. Um, It is really a case of the whole being greater than the sum of its parts, right? Like you see, if you see one individual post-it note, you have a feeling maybe another or five to see a whole wall of it makes it this, this orchestra of feeling this orchestra of, you know, New Yorkers are so often uh, focused and driven on their own individual paths and we make way for each other but there's not too much time to you know stop and like talk, commiserate in a group and this was an exception to that rule where you really saw the true heart of people in that city on display and i agree it was an incredibly powerful image
1: it was and you're so right about new yorkers i always say like heads down elbows out when you're yes. in <laughs> Um, But this felt so different. And I think what felt like particularly magical to me is that it was sort of asynchronous and synchronous at the same time. Like you had this feeling of gathering. Yes. Even though we were doing it individually over days. Yes. You know, I think we all probably have those moments where we felt like I was there when, right? Like I was part of that thing. Yeah. Yeah, it feels so connective. And you feel like in the flow of the world and of humanity mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And It felt like that. Totally. Totally.
1: Yeah. So I know a lot of people really enjoyed the, the participating. I'm so glad that you had a chance yourself to see yeah. it and sort of take that in. I might be the only one, though, whose life was changed. <laughs> I, I couldn't get out of my mind, frankly. And even though I was working, I started in my, my extra hours researching these, these like large participatory public projects, mm-hmm. often on city streets. And another one that I love that many people are aware of is the Before I Die Walls. They are chalkboard installations. I
0: don't know about them. In the
1: city? They're all over the world. Oh, tell me. Yeah, they're amazing. They were started by an artist um, named Candy Chang. And she's had other incredible participatory work. She's, she's also done a, some great projects at the Rubin Museum in New York uh-huh. City, which you might know. But Before I Die Walls are big public art installations on chalkboards across the top it says before I die dot 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 and then there's just columns of lines I want to blank I want to blank and you take a piece of chalk and you fill in what you want to do before you die Mm -hmm. and it's such a a a prompt that invites like deep beautiful humanity and human yearning and wishes and all that stuff that binds us together and they're they're also just incredible to see and they're true they're all over the world they're in different languages but you know I've looked at a lot of them and the ones in English anyway where I can see them across different countries Mm -hmm. we're all the same yeah Yeah, we're all the same so I just kept finding them, these projects that have this secret ability, the secret sauce that connects us as humans anonymously. And I started deconstructing them to, to say, well, what is that secret sauce? Like, what is it about this environment that's created by these projects that enable us to feel this kinship with all the other people that have chosen to participate? And I distilled it down to just a couple of things. Anonymity is really key. So they're all anonymous. Um, And the second thing is there's no judgment. They're completely lacking in judgment. And in addition to that, the third one is that everybody matters the same. Mm -hmm. So without judgment and without like this popularity or status contest, Mm -hmm. everybody's welcome. Everyone's seen and heard equally. Mm-hmm. You now it's really a democracy of participation in a way that's really empowering.
0: Yeah, a very level, a level playing field. And the non-judgmental part is so important too, because it's like the neutrality gives permission for people to really fill in like whatever their truth is without, without consequence, you know.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, I think that's what the lack of judgment and popularity does. It like It's an invitation to show up so authentically and even vulnerably. Yes. And whatever you're expressing, it's really interesting because it's for you because there's a moment of contemplation involved in these things, but it's also for the collective experience. So I've talked to a lot of people and they have this sort of dual thought process of this is for me and for us at the same time. Which is so...
0: Oh, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but it's so interesting because it echoes what you said earlier about doing work, you know, that is, that is powerful for you. That matters is that it's for you and it's for the company. This is sort of the same thing.
1: Thank you for connecting that dot for me, those dots for me. I love that. And you're absolutely right.
0: It's on the, the micro and on the macro.
1: Right. And, you know, I think that one of the the joys and the challenges for us as thinkers is to be able to contain those two thoughts at the same time and you know not see them as contradictory and integrate right. those things there's so much power in that right absolutely hmm all right you really got me thinking thank you <laughs> and i'll just say the last ingredient for these you know magical projects is that there's some kind of an invitation to participate mm-hmm. and often they come in the form of a prompt like, before I die, I want to. And and it creates a cohesion of, you know, the experience. It unites everybody in thought around one single thing. So it does enable you you to participate as an individual, but take in a collective in a way that enriches your own personal reflection.
0: Yeah. And I would say it's like, it gives you a, a container in which to be creative. That's not sometimes like if you just get a blank page and it's just like share whatever, it's overwhelming. But if you get a specific prompt, there is a, like a safe contained space in which to have whatever the creative or varied thought is from that.
1: that You're so right. And actually, when I started sort of juxtaposing these attributes with social media, mm-hmm. You know, the difference was so clear, and this point that you're bringing up was abundantly clear because social media—it's a free for all. Yes. And there's a lot about social media that is hard, right? It connects us at the same time it challenges us in so many ways. And for me personally, one of them is just the digital din of it all. It's overwhelming. It never stops. There's endless scrolls, it's a yeah. free for all. So the container that you're describing is such an important aspect of these projects because the fact that they're uni- unidimensional and in their intent not only connects people together, but it feels like such a refreshing oasis from yes. the overload of digital everything.
0: Yes, because it's like, you don't have to come up with what to say, like it it is, the offering is just there. You just need to fill in the blank. And and I think that that is freedom. That really is freeing.
1: Absolutely freeing. And then when you combine that with no judgment and no status, then it's really freeing. Yeah. So when I kind of connected these dots for myself, like here's some stuff that works on city sidewalks and huh, seems to be quite different than what our digital products are serving to us. I thought, okay, here's the proverbial white space. Mm-hmm. I can you know, unleash these projects from city sidewalks and put them in a digital platform so that they're accessible anytime, anywhere for all of us.
0: Yeah, so that's, I mean, it's awesome. And I, I would love to talk about the app itself, what it looks like, how it works. I, I've downloaded it and I am a fan of it. And it does give you this ability to, to check in daily, but if you want to um, kind of describe for the listeners Like what is that, what is the experience of daily Aloha?
1: I will. And you're going to see such a direct line from the (laughs) post experience to the app experience. So all these learnings we put into, to the structure of the app and we serve up to the world, one thought provoking fill in the blank question every day. Mm -hmm. And that question is alive for 24 hours, right? So, but it depends on what market you're in, what country and time zone you're in, what those 24 hours are, But everyone has that that, that same 24 hours where they're participating. And then once you see the question, you have a a two minute sort of daily ritual in three parts associated with that question. The first one is just you with you, just looking at that question and reflecting about what's true for you. Mm -hmm. And, since we're without judgment or status or popularity you can really offer your authentic heartfelt truth in that moment so this is really like a journaling prompt for many people that question so you fill in the blanks with your answer and then you give it a color and that color reflects your mood so, you're filling in the blank with them with your answer, and you're overlaying a mood. So, you have a thought and a feeling, and that is your personal aloha for our daily aloha app. And that's part one, just you with you. Part two is that you send off your personal aloha into the aloha verse, which is what I call it, <laughs> and it gets delivered randomly and anonymously to one other person in the world. And then you instantly get one back from someone else in the world. Mm. And to the one that you receive, you send a sticker back. We call it a response sticker. We have a bunch of options. Of course, they're non judgmental, but they're meant to acknowledge to everyone that some real human somewhere on the planet heard you and saw you. So everyone's acknowledged in the app. You're not shouting into the void, but your, your thought and feeling is landing with a real person somewhere.
0: Yeah, this is an, this is what I think is sort of like a step up from just the wall, which we will get to also, but like the wall of post-its, which is that there's this element of reciprocity here, which I, I, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and, and why that's important.
1: Yeah, right, because that is a departure from all these different projects that I mentioned. This was This was an invention of our own. And we came up with this because our bigger mission, our our grandest vision for our sweet little app is that it rekindles empathy. Mm -hmm. From what I hear, all the beautiful feedback that I get from our participants, it's benefiting them personally, having this two-minute daily ritual of reflection and connection feels good, it's uplifting, it's a pause, it's a calm moment, but My bigger hope is that it's also developing the empathy muscle. Yes. And when I thought about how empathy develops, it seemed really important to have this step of reciprocity. Mm -hmm. So the third part of the app is our daily Aloha wall, where all the responses from all over the world are filling up. And that's a chance to look at everyone's responses, to feel amused and compassionate and inspired and all the things that we feel when we you know, read the thoughts and feelings from people from all over, from all over. But it's also really a chance for perspective taking. Sure. So the way empathy develops, you know, starts with self-awareness, self-knowledge and really self-love, mm-hmm. so that's our step one. Reciprocity, which is our step two, it's a chance to hear and be heard by another and to send acknowledgement non-reactively. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're creating space to be responsive and reflective without being reactive, which is such a critical ingredient to empathy building. And then the third part is really for perspective taking, which is sort of the opening the aperture for empathy building so that you're, you can look at the thoughts, perspectives, and get a glimpse into this lived experiences of other people to be reminded that we are all different. We've all come to this place of meaning making through our own individualized experiences and that it's a chance to have appreciation for that. So these little three steps are designed not only to mirror post-it walls, but also to reflect how empathy builds.
0: Yeah, it's really beautiful. And I can picture it visually. It's it's you talk about opening the aperture. It is I think of it like a zoom out, right? It begins as a close up on yourself on your own internal world. And then it zooms out to include one other person. And then it zooms even out further to include, as you say, all of these perspectives. And I just think it's I think it's beautiful. It's such a great practice. And I, I wonder uh, where where do you come up with the questions or do you, are you the one who comes up with all of the questions? Are you scri- scribbling on a napkin when you're like out in the world?
1: Yes. And yes, and yes. <laughs> the answer is yes to all of those questions. I, uh, I'm the chief question officer, but I get an inspiration from everywhere. So, you know, I'm making sense of lots of different signals that I'm picking up and I'm sure. always scribbling. I keep a library of ideas. Sometimes I'll go back and, and I'll think, what was I thinking? That's a terrible question. <laughs> but I, I'm constantly adding to my own personal library. Yeah, I look for them everywhere. You know, there's a lot of people doing work in the world based on questions. So yeah. I'm trying to study all the time, how people approach it. We're very deliberate in the range of questions that we ask. You know, we're meant to be a really positive, uplifting moment in your day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with an anonymous app, I really could ask any kind of question I want, but I'm not gonna ask about the most shameful thing that ever happened to you, right? right? right. So, so there's a zone that we live in that is pretty clearly defined in my mind of uplift, but still thoughtful. We're not trying to be a Hallmark card. We're trying to help people make meaning, but also embed sort of the, the practices of positive psychology and those things into, into it. So yeah, I'm just gathering inspiration everywhere I go.
0: I love it. I love it. I mean, the same, same as the conversation engineer of Zany, I feel like I do that too, looking for questions that are that will tickle people's brains in like a different way than, you know, a typical like, hi, how are you? kind of
1: thing. Yeah, Um, I don't know if you found this was zany, but I'm always trying to gauge the appeal of a question, which is a little hard to do. And I've, this is sort of stating the obvious, but it's not a one size fits all. There's certain types of questions that I know are appealing for a big group and other kinds of questions where not as many people participate on a given day, but the answers are really deep and rich. And I know they're very meaningful for us for a slice of folks.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So, yeah. And
0: do you get feedback? Do you get individual feedback on like particular questions? Do people reach out to you and say, hey, this one was like really something?
1: I don't, but here's what I do get. We're big enough now that I, I have metrics. <laughs> so Amazing. I will look every day and look at like what percent of my base chose to respond to the question. So I had data that's very high level but I'm able to draw some conclusions from from that when I on occasion I'll have a clunker and I will hear I'll hear about it from a couple <laughs> of people so I have some people who keep me honest which I appreciate mm-hmm. but the other thing that we've started doing which has been amazing is I have a way for our participants to suggest a question
0: very cool
1: and it. I have thousands, I have thousands of questions that my participants have recommended. Oh, wow. So that's super interesting because I would say there's five that have been recommended hundreds of times.
0: Oh, really? Have you used them?
1: I have, but I can only use them so often, right? right. I mean, so that's really interesting, like what people think is useful and in keeping with the app. So, so there's some, like, I'll just tell you a couple examples, yeah, I'm not trying to be cryptic about it. Gratitude is a huge theme. People are always suggesting various questions about gratitude. Some Often it's just uh, what I'm grateful for is blank. You know, right. our questions are fill in the blank. So I would say that's probably number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is self-care and self-love.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I think it's also just a reflection of our thoughtful audience that we sure. that we cultivated and I think people recognize that they need that reminder I think people are suggesting questions for things that they want to be reminded of for themselves
0: yeah I think it's so interesting the timing of you developing this app you said it's 18 months old but like who knew it was going to happen just in time for for COVID and I'm not surprised people are are thinking about things like gratitude and self-care and self-love because it's like we really extra need those things right now to stay afloat make makes sense. 100%. I love it. And I'm, I'm very excited to delve into this next section of the discussion because uh, you asked me to provide a couple of potential questions uh, to be the Daily Aloha question. And then you selected one, which I have uh, I have already responded to in the app. So do you want to, how do you want to do this?
1: Uh, Go ahead and tell everybody the question.
0: Okay. So the question today on Daily Aloha is, the weirdest gift I ever received was blank. And I will tell you what I answered, uh, (laughs) which was a single Rough Rider condom that became a joke that my best friend and I have mailed back and forth to each other for years. It's in a little red package. It's ridiculous. No one's ever going to use it, but I think it, it was a gift by mistake. And then it just became the gift that kept on giving. And then the 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 answer that I got in response from somebody feeling happy in Zimbabwe was an empty toolbox, which I think is hilarious. I know you can. I know it's it's super fun. It's super fun. And then I went to the wall and I was looking at all of these like super varied responses. And I think you said that you you looked through them and you sort of categorized what came up. So what were your findings?
1: I did. I'll tell you my my exchange for today. So my answer was. When I, when I graduated from college, my dad drove me to my, up, I, my first job was up in Boston and he drove me up to Boston with all my stuff in the station family station wagon to deliver me to my first apartment, my little tiny studio that I was so proud of. And he was leaving and he handed me an envelope. I was like, oh, that's so nice. He's gonna give me like a little starter cash, you know, for my new job, my new life. It was my student loan bills. <laughs> <laughs> that was my response. I got one back, I'm looking at it now, from Colorado City, Texas. The weirdest gift I ever received was 100 pennies from the year of my birth. Wow, that's very specific. <laughs> very specific. So I am loving this question and I did, I scanned the wall. I probably read at least a hundred of them. And I wrote down, Five themes that emerged for me and how okay. people answered that question. Okay, number one is, do you know me at all? <laughs> There's a whole bunch of responses where the gift was weird because it showed that the giver of the gift had no clue about yeah. this person. It was the <laughs> wrong size, the wrong age range, you know, etc. Okay. Number two was too much intimacy. like an inappropriate gift given the nature of the relationship.
0: Well, it's funny that you say that because like the, fr- the one that I'm looking at right now says the weirdest gift I ever received was lingerie from my mom, which is fits right into there.
1: <laughs> Perfect. There you go. There's an example. Okay. Number three was, is this gift for me or for you?
0: hmm
1: Mm-hmm. There are some interesting examples where a husband gave a wife wrinkle cream yeah. or that it's kind nice. of thing. Yep. Okay. So that's number three. Number four is good weird. It was weird, but perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then number five was no weird gifts. Every gift is a good gift.
0: Oh, come on. Those
1: are the themes. I there was a lot like that. Have I never gotten any gifts. Any gift. I love every gift. I cherish every gift, etc.
0: Yeah. That's so interesting what the answer says about the poster as well, right? And of course you have a category of people who appreciate every gift because the people who are attracted to this app are people who are in this have the spirit of generosity. So that makes sense to me. Oh, it's great. Thank you for, thank you for using this question. That was it's such a thrill.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you for suggesting it. You gave me a night off from having to come up with my own question. It's a, and it's a wonderful question. It's very seasonal. We're all a little bit in Thanksgiving mindset right so it was it was wonderful thank you and the, the answers are delightful you know it's also funny because we're very global as I think we've sort of alluded to we're yeah. in, I think 150 countries Amazing. and the responses today also are, are very revealing of local differences because some of the some of the gifts are just so localized so yeah. I love questions that sort of invite these regional differences yeah that are, are just really refreshing.
0: Yeah, and just celebrate the diversity in the world and the diversity of uh, people who participate in this. Like I, I'm blown away by that. And from when you very first told me about it, like there, if you just scroll through the wall and I, and I, I highly recommend that listeners download this app and just scroll through the wall. I mean, Romania, Spain, Ukraine, New York, Canada, like Norway, it's just across the board. It's so amazing how you've gathered every, how your vision has shown up like this just from seeing this one wall in a subway station in New York and now it exists in real time and encompasses the whole world. I mean, bravo, that's awesome.
1: Thank you. You know, we started this conversation about the the idea about speed, right? And how, what, what's right, wrong, am I slow, am I? And you know, sometimes I'm, I think, well, we're not moving fast and breaking things and we're so tiny and we're chugging along and it's so hard and I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> and all that. And then I have a moment and I hear what you're saying and we've got people in almost, you know, most countries of the world who are feeling a little bit of connection every day. And when I think about it that way, I'm like who who the hell cares how fast we're moving you know we're moving meaningfully so
0: exactly yeah. exactly I love it it's awesome I'm so into it I think that you're you're so generous of heart and I'm so glad that you did this passion project that that you that you left something that was like financially more stable to do this passion project is so meaningful the world needs it so before we wrap it up is there anything that anything about empathy that you haven't talked about that you wanted to mention?
1: Wow, well, we really just covered it pretty quickly, but I guess it's my most deeply held value, which yeah. is why it seems really worth doing this. And Absolutely. I really believe it will change the world. It can change the world. And there's so many things that are just so hard right now. Yeah. And empathy is soothing to all of them. Uh, Yes. Yeah. I think a little empathy goes a really long way. And as we talked about, it starts with yourself. So yeah, show yourself a little love and it'll emanate through the world. I really believe it.
0: What does your self-care for the rest of this day look like, Amy?
1: Oh, you're putting me on the spot now, right? I have to like drink my own Kool-Aid. I'm having a great day because in my household, I'm here with my partner and my youngest son is here through the holiday season. And we are, we have chicken soup actually cooking on the stove. The smell is amazing. And just take like, I'm intermittently like stirring the pot, working from my kitchen table. And that feels like nourishing and warm and and wonderful so i feel really cared for today
0: that's beautiful i love it i wish i could smell the soup too i'm smelling it with my mind
1: ah sending it your way
0: oh, amazing uh amy gidden where can the people find you
1: and- um on all the channels we are daily aloha which i always say is aloha with an h mm-hmm. uh, we're dailyhaloha.com right on that front page are two buttons that bring you right to the app store We're in the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, and we're free. We're free to download and free to use forever. Awesome. So give us a download. If you want a little separate inspiration, you can find us on Instagram. And I'm not much on Facebook and Twitter, but if you want to find us there, you'll find a little (laughs) something something there, too.
0: Awesome. Uh, well, Amy Gidden, thank you so much uh, for joining us on What's Betwixt Us, stories about empathy at work. And uh, yeah, have a beautiful day.
1: You too.
0: Thanks for tuning in to episode 19 of What's Betwixt Us, stories of working while human. To learn more about Amy and Daily Aloha, which I highly recommend you download for free, please visit dailyhaloha.com. That's daily, H A L O H A.com what's betwixt us is powered by zany designed to build trust and authentic human connection in remote workspaces more at z-a-n-i-e A-P-P.
1: human first everything else after human first everything else after